0: I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 10th of February, 2009. Newcomers, I advise you to go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, and on the website you find lots of previous talks I've given, where I try to go through history and give you the evidence, not from conspiracy books, but from books written by big players in the world affairs, to show you that the world is progressing along a, a predicted path, course, a planned course, into a Brave New World scenario, a New World Order, as the, the guys themselves like to call it at the top. And I try and give you the shortcuts to the understanding of it, because it's so huge. It's, it covers everything around us, all of society, all the institutions, all the things we're used to. It's all part of this big matrix system that was set up, just to guide us into a new way of living a very new way of living because it's a controlled society that's been brought into view and it literally means that if you have no place to put you in a work situation uh, you won't be born that's what sustainability is all about sustainable development a planned society worldwide Also, look into Alan Watts sentinel.eu for transcripts of these talks, which you can download and print up, and they're written in the various languages of Europe. For those who listen to me, I ask you to go into cuttingthroughmetrics.com, and on the website, you'll see how you can order the books and discs and so on that I have for sale. That keeps me going, along with the huge donations that I get. And... People often ask me why I do what I do. In fact, I get a lot of paranoid people who, one of them, in fact, was quite funny. He says, how do you know all that you know? He says, why were you in libraries reading about this stuff when you were a child? To him, that was an amazing thing. To me, it's an amazing thing that you're not using the libraries as a child to find out what on earth is this big world around you rather than watching sports and playing because obviously in life itself and wildlife too a creature has no survival capabilities if it does not try to understand the environment around it we've all been dumbed down so much and kept entertained so much that this agenda has steamrolled ahead until everything around us as I say in society which we think is normal is all part of the big control mechanism went round about us while we were fast asleep and it's now ready to come out into the open and show its teeth that's what we've been living since 2001 is this next phase of the brave new world scenario that's what's coming down the pike and another people too will say well how come you're not dead well you see the time for killing people I think Who are talking out about this is pretty well over. It's over now, for sure. Because you see, they don't care. They don't care. There's no opposition. There's no organized opposition to anything that's happening. In fact, you cannot compete with it even on a financial basis. You can't go around houses with tin cans to start up your own little NGO to combat something that's funded by the biggest, richest foundations on the planet. It won't work. And apart from that, those who run the world today, and they have run it for quite some time, will not go back on their agenda. They have a fixed course, and nothing's going to stop in the way as far as they're concerned. Nothing will stop it. And a voice in the wilderness isn't really a problem to them anymore. Back with more after this break. through the matrix. Other people will ask me too, what is my role in all of this? What, what am I doing this for? Because a lot of people will either love you or hate you. And they'll love you for the information other ones will hate you but still listen to every show that I do. Some almost like they're addicted to it. Well, you see, my job is not to tell you what to do. The problem with society we have been herded into the non-individualistic camp of always we rather than I or me. And people cannot think for themselves anymore. That's also understood at the top. This is the collectivist society that was planned an awful long time ago, and the educational authorities have been working on creating that system for at least three generations, probably more. And they documented it too. So it's not up to me to tell you what to do. I'm just telling you what's going on. And people will love to kill the bearer of bad news. That's traditional in history. Because there's not an awful lot of good news to tell you, to be honest with you, as to what's been happening. Years ago, people wrote books on, and unfortunately called it the conspiracy. When you use the term conspiracy, you're falling into your enemy's camp because you're, giving it, you're opening yourself up to ridicule. And they're very good at ridiculing the truth. So the people did come out, and they did have good factual information, and they sounded crazy to people who'd already been socialized without knowing it. Because they were going out shopping, their, their jobs were still there, they could shop, work, buy their little rewards at the end of the week. And someone who was trying to tell them what was coming along the pike was laughed at, simply laughed at. Today, there's so much information out there, and you don't really have to go digging very far to get it. It's when you understand the big spider web of foundations, NGOs, organizations, non-governmental organizations, all funded by these foundations, just follow them. You could spend weeks and weeks and weeks and never reach the end of them. Many of them are fronts and dummies to pass the money on to more organizations. They have been running our world for quite some time, and it was planned that way a long time ago. I've gone through the history of the Council on Foreign Relations, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, that set up on both sides of the Atlantic the big foundations to bypass what we thought was democracy or democratic government a long time ago. Professor Carl Quigley has documented all of the affairs that have been involved in every major war on all sides for 100 years and up to the present time too with the CFR and Trilateral Commission. About 80 years ago, the same organization set up the Institute for Pacific Relations, another front group from the Royal Institute of International Affairs, to work on bringing the Far East together under one trading bloc. And lumped in Australia and New Zealand with it too. All documented. And they were doing this before World War II came along and had the machinery set up and institutions set up to go to work on a unified Europe, which they planned before the, actually before World War I. So we're simply living a script. And it's quite interesting. Because you get synchronicities once in a while, and I was reading a book today that was sent to me, and then someone just sent me an email with quotes right out of this book, in fact. This website, from the link it was sent to me, is called People for Preserving Our Western Heritage, and so quotes from the environmental community, understand your position and philosophy. It says here, it's a quote from Maurice Strong, who was founder of the United Nations Environment Programme, but he's just a front man for Rockefeller, who groomed them. He says, Isn't the only hope for the planet that the industrialized civilizations collapse? Isn't it our responsibility to bring that about? And Mr. Morris Strong is a technocrat, as Br- is, uh, quickly called them. They have the real power behind the scenes, they have more power than presidents have, and they're not answerable to the public. That's from Paul, Paul Ehrlich. Everyone's heard about him, I think, professor of population studies. He says, a massive campaign must be launched to de-develop the United States. De-development means bringing our economic system into line with the realities of ecology and the world resource situation. That means sustainable development. Michael Oppenheimer from Environmental Defense Fund. These are all all funded by the same couple of organizations and foundations. says, the only hope for the world is to make sure there is not another United States. We can't let other countries have the same number of cars, the amount of industrialization we have in the U.S. We have to stop these third world countries right where they are. I wonder if that's news to the third world countries. Professor Maurice King said global sustainability requires the deliberate quest of poverty reduced resource consumption and set levels of mortality control mortality control what do you think that is? learn how they couch their their words David Foreman co-founder of Earth First another one funded by the Rockefellers We must make sure, we must make this an insecure and inhospitable place for capitalists and their projects. We must reclaim the roads and ploughed land, halt dam construction, tear down existing dams, pre-shackled rivers and return to wilderness millions of acres of presently settled lands. How many people do you think they want to settle on the lands in the near future? There's lots been written about it by the big boys themselves amory loven's rocky mountain Institute says this complex technology of any sort is an assault on human dignity it would be little short of disastrous for us to discover a source of clean cheap abundant energy because of what we might do with it the prospect of cheap fusion energy is the worst thing that could happen to the planet says jeremy rifkin Greenhouse Crisis Foundation. You see where they all get their money. You'll not be surprised after listening to me. Giving society cheap, abundant energy would be the equivalent of giving an idiot child a machine gun. Professor Paul Ehrlich, Stanford University. See, if you had cheap energy, or even energy which you could make from some gadget that you rigged up yourself... You'd be independent. You understand that this world they're bringing in is complete interdependence. That means that you're totally dependent on the system they're bringing in. Our insatiable drive to rummage deep beneath the surface of the earth is a willful expansion of our dysfunctional civilization into nature. This is Al Gore, Earth in the Balance. I put a link up on my site last night where Mr. Gore is talking to some children From about the ages of 14 to 12. And telling them that they know more as children than their parents do. The typical communist bypassing of the adults. And telling them they know more than their parents do. Then he goes into global warming. Like they're the ex- the children are the experts on it. Their parents are just too old to understand. In a communist era, he would have said they were contaminated with old ideas. And there's no outcry. Well, there's outcry from a few parents who found out what was going on and what he was saying to their children. So James Lovelock, BBC interview, the big threat to the planet is people. There are too many doing too well economically and burning too much oil. There's too many people, you see. It's all over. the. If you watch TV, you're probably partying it yourself. Well, there's too many people. There's too many people. Because they keep telling you that. The fact is... The Western world has been going down, dwindling, since the 1950s, population-wise. And the overcrowding is from mass immigration, which is being encouraged to pay off the national debts of those countries, since the original people are not producing enough children to pay it off. Margaret Thatcher said that. So you can't please them by doing what they want you to do. And it's not, we're not going down fast enough and they're trying to make sure that every city is totally overcrowded to make the conditions seem true There's too many people. very easy to do if they cram you all into cities. You could raise one generation who wouldn't even know there was a wilderness out there. That, That wouldn't be hard either. After all, they say we're animals, and they can make us think as they wish us to think. and co-founder of Earth First. My th- main three goals would be to reduce human population to about 100 million worldwide, destroy the industrial infrastructure and sea wilderness with its full complement of species returning throughout the world. Current lifestyles and consumption patterns of the affluent middle class involving high meat intake, use of fossil fuels, appliances, air conditioning, and suburban housing are not sustainable. Maurice Strong at the Rio Earth Summit, once again, that was actually drafted up by Mr. Rockefeller. This is from the Club of Rome. In the book, The First Global Revolution, all these dangers are caused by human intervention, and it's only through changed attitudes and behavior that they can be overcome. The real enemy, then, is humanity itself. It actually goes on to say there, that uh, that would fit the bill. Global warming caused by humanity is that that would fit the bill in the book itself. Mankind is the most dangerous, destructive, selfish and unethical animal on the earth. Michael Fox, Vice President of the Humane Society. And I can hear the music coming in. And I'm going to read some more of this because these are the guys who are giving policies to governments across the planet, and we don't vote any of these people in. Back in a moment after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, reading from an an article here from a website, and I'll put up the link at the end of the show. I'm showing you statements, new statements put out by big players from big foundations and NGOs. They're all funded from the same sources that have an ear to all governments and a mouth that's direct, right, plugged into all governments by passing all democracy. And they're all basically secular humanists because that's to be the new religion that they all go under at the top that it came out of socialism, all the way back to Marxism, and actually was a product of Darwinism. And really it was on the go, even back in the days of the Enlightenment. They traced it all the way back to ancient Greece, some of them, who were in this particular religion. And secular humanism is uh, a religion with a belief system. To continue with this, this article here, it says, a reasonable estimate for an industrial world society at the present North American material standard of living would be one billion. As a world society of one billion. At more frugal European standards of living, two to three billion would be possible. as from the United Nations Global Biodiversity Assessment. This great United Nations that is in charge of everything, and yet it's a private corporation. A total population of 250 to 300 million people, a 95% decline from present levels would be ideal, Ted Turner, founder of CNN and major United Nations donor. The an ideal sustainable population is hence more than 500 million, but less than 1 billion, as from the Club of Rome, goals for mankind. It's nice to know a lot of people are setting the goals for us all, isn't it? Because you've never seen control freaks like these before in history. And they're on a roll. One American burdens the earth much more than 20 Bangladeshes. is a terrible thing to say in order to stabilize world population. We must eliminate 350,000 people per day. It's a horrible thing to say, but it's just as bad not to say it. That was the great Jacques Cousteau. Who love fish and furry animals. UNESCO Courier. That was printed in UNESCO Courier. If I were reincarnated, I would wish to return to Earth as a killer virus to lower human population levels. Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, patron of the World Wildlife Fund. I suspect that eradicating smallpox was wrong. It played an important part in balancing ecosystems. John Davis editor of Earth First Journal. The extinction of the human species may not only be inevitable, but a good thing. That's from Christopher Mannes from Earth First. The Sierra Club, you've all heard of that too. It's up there with the, with all the other big wildlife uh, clubs. And all the same guys are the patrons of all, each, each one of these clubs. And this is from David Brewer first executive director of the Sea Era Club. Childbearing should be a punishable crime against society unless the parents hold a government license. All potential parents should be required to use contraceptive chemicals, the government issuing antidotes to citizens chosen for childbearing. Now that's straight too, out of, of Julian Huxley's book that I read. As well. You see, they're all on board on the same agenda because they're all trained in the same school of thought. And that's what's running the world. It's from the Club of Rome again, from their book, The First Global Revolution. In searching for a new enemy to unite us, we came up with the idea that pollution, the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine and the like would fit the bill. We came up with the idea, right? and if they go through it all, would fit the bill. And that's now policy now. We're all living on this policy, this idea that they came up with to unite the planet and to get their agenda through. We need to get some broad-based support to capture the public's imagination, so we have to offer up scary scenarios, make simplified dramatic statements, and make little mention of any doubts. Each of us has to decide what the right balance is between being effective and being honest. That was from Stephen Schneider, Stanford Professor of Climatology, lead author of many IPCC reports for the United Nations. International Panel on Climate Change, the ones that are ruling our lives right now. I'll say that again because it's worth remembering. We need to get some broad-based support to capture the public's imagination. You know, the animals down here, we're the public... So we have to offer up scary scenarios, make simplified, dramatic statements, and make little mention of any doubts. In other words, do lie. Each of us has to decide what the right balance is between being effective and being honest. Unless we announce disasters, no one will listen. Sir so Hugh Houghton, first chairman of the IPCC, the same group that they give us scary scenarios or we won't listen to them you see training the animals that's the training the animals that's us it doesn't matter what is true it only matters what people believe is true from Paul Watson co-founder of Greenpeace and that's true perception is is, 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 is believing in the truth it doesn't matter what's true only what people believe is true more after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network, because you can handle the truth. What, and this is cutting to the matrix reading, a bunch of quotes from some of the big players that manage our lives now, and we are managed, by these people, because whatever they push becomes government policy across the whole planet at the same time. Here's from Timothy Wirth, president of the UN Foundation. He says, we've got to write this global warming issue. I've got to write it, he says. Even if the theory of global warming is wrong, we will be doing the right thing in terms of economic and environmental policy. So it doesn't matter about the truth of something. You can jump back to the previous one I gave. It doesn't matter what's true. It's only a matter of what people believe is true. That was from the co-founder of Greenpeace. This is from Christine Stewart, former Canadian Minister of the Environment no matter if the science of global warming is all phony, climate change provides the greatest opportunity to bring about justice and equality in the world they've all got a different agenda here and using this as a cover, you see Al Gore, the grey Al Gore the one who talks to children and tells them they know more than their parents which, which is telling them, don't listen to your parents by the way too same technique as the communists used says the climate crisis is not a political issue it's a moral and spiritual challenge to all of humanity and you look up secular humanism and you see them using and defining the term spiritual as they use it it's not what most folk think of he says it's also a greatest opportunity to lift global consciousness to a higher level global consciousness see they have a belief system within secular humanism the only way to get our society to truly change is to frighten people with the possibility of a catastrophe. That's Emeritus Professor Daniel Bodkin it's Just terrify the public. We are on the verge of a global transformation. This is transformation. Remember, 21st century is to be all transformation. All we need is the right major crisis. That was David Rockefeller, the Club of Rome executive manager. He's a manager of just about everything. Humanity is sitting on a time bomb If the vast majority of the world's scientists are right. We have just 10 years to avert a major catastrophe that could send our entire planet's climate system into a tailspin of epic destruction involving extreme weather, floods, droughts, epidemics, and killer heatwaves beyond anything we've ever experienced. A catastrophe of our own making. That's from Al Gore, An Inconvenient Truth. I'll go back to... Go back again, just to, after reading that part by Al Gore, and go back to Professor Daniel Botkin. The only way to get our society to truly change is to frighten people with the possibility of a catastrophe. See how it all ties together. By the end of the century, climate change will reduce the human population to a few breeding pairs surviving near the Arctic. Sir James Lovelock, Revenge of Gia, I guess that was his book, Gia. You have to go into even the beliefs that were floating around in Europe before World War II, especially in Germany, to get into this whole idea with the Aryan races going retreating to the poles during the ice ages, or global warming, I should say, and then coming back down as the ice formed, and coming out of the ice of the north. It's a whole ancient history to this. Climate change will result in a catastrophic global sea-rise level of 7 metres. That's by most of Bangladesh, the Netherlands, Florida, and would make London the new Atlantis, Greenpeace International. Back to Professor Daniel Botkin. The only way to get society to truly change is to frighten people with the possibility of a catastrophe. change is real, not only is it real, it's here and its effects are going to rise to a frighteningly new global phenomena the man-made natural disaster, Barack Obama, US presidential candidate, well now he's the president eh? and he's really ramming this through as well it's interesting too, their Bill has been through Congress in the US to set up the first of six big camps, supposedly for emergency purposes and to be based within existing military camps are attached to them. We are close to a time when all of humankind will envisage, envision a global agenda that encompasses a kind of global Marshall Plan to address the causes of poverty and suffering and environmental destruction all over the earth. I'll go again, Earth in the Bounds. In nature, organic growth proceeds according to a master plan, a blueprint. Such a master plan is missing from the process of growth and development of the world system. Now is the time to draw up a master plan for sustainable growth and world development based on global allocation of all resources and a new global economic system. Ten or twenty years from today will probably be too late from the Club of Rome, mankind at the turning point. If you go into the old socialist agendas, which are not so old because it never stopped, you'll find that was their agenda as well. It's a whole redrafting of the entire planet with the balancing of populations across the world, the planned society, uh, planned resource consumption, and all of that was contained in it too and in the communist philosophies as well. It's all the same thing. And I've gone into the histories of who funded all sides and definitely set up the system in the Soviet Union, which is now merged with the West. The concept of national sovereignty has been immutable, indeed a sacred principle in international relations. It's a principle which will yield only slowly and reluctantly to the new imperatives of global environmental cooperation, the UN Commission on Global Governance reports. Everything's banking on this, so they're not going to back off. Democracy is not a panacea. It cannot organise everything and it is unaware of its own limits. These facts must be faced squarely. Sacrilegious, though this may sound, democracy is no longer well suited for the tasks ahead. The complexity and the technical nature of many of today's problems do not always allow elected representatives to make competent decisions at the right time. That's from the Club of Rome, again. The First Global Revolution was the book they printed on that. And... That's also echoed by Margaret Thatcher, because she joined the parallel government, as it's called. And Professor Carl Quigley also called it a parallel government. They could bypass all democracy. Democracy was too slow and cumbersome, and there were too many people objecting to certain things. So they simply bypassed it all together with non-governmental organizations and masses of funding from the big foundations. That's happened. are in effect ceding portions of their sovereignty to the international community and beginning to create a new system of international environmental governance as a means of solving otherwise unmanageable crises. Lester Brown World Watch Institute A keen and anxious awareness is evolving to suggest that fundamental changes will have to take place in the world order and its power structure in the distribution of wealth and income. That's from the Club of Rome Mankind at a turning point, and that's also from the Communist Manifesto. Adopting a central organizing principle means embarking on on an all out effort to use every policy and program, every law and institution to halt the destruction of the environment. Al Gore again, else, else in the balance. Effective execution of Agenda 21 will require profound reorientation of all human society, unlike anything the world has ever experienced, a major shift in the priorities of both governments and individuals and an unprecedented redeployment of human and financial resources. Well, that's happening right now, isn't it? The taxpayers are bailing out banks across the planet. This shift will demand... Their concern for the environmental consequences of every human action be integrated into individual and collective decision making at every level. UN Agenda 21, and that ties right in with, with who will be born and who will die. Because remember, at the top of all of this, in the great socialist system, happened to be the big foundations started off as eugenics institutions. And if you are born with any kind of defect, or they think you might be born with any kind of defect, you will not be born. That's already coming to the fore in newspapers across the planet about scientists predict this and predict that. You'll have to be 100% healthy in every way, including having no abnormal mental traits like independence in order to be born. earth is literally our mother not only because we depend on her for nurture and shelter but even more because a human species has been shaped by her in the womb of evolution our salvation depends upon our ability to create a religion of nature a religion of nature that was renee dubois board member for planetary citizens and see where they get their money from too and again you won't be surprised really astonishing, isn't it, what goes on, and what's been going on our entire lives at massive high levels, how well, we played ourselves and were kept entertained. This here, this present stuff I going to read now is from Hope of the Wicked, very good book, The Master Plan to Rule the World by Ted Flynn. I think it was printed in the, around 2000. Yeah. And he sets out uh, a lot of this socialist agenda. And socialism is not what most folk think it is. People at the bottom think it's something to do with government helping or or putting back tax money and social policies. And how we'll all be just happy in a nice little utopia where everyone gets their basic necessities. But it's much, much more than that. It's scientific socialism as Huxley and others called it, where those who have the right intellectual qualifications therefore have the right to rule all the rest. In page 3, he's got some important dates. He starts off with Weishaupt. I wouldn't, I'd go much, much earlier in the past, but to the root of philosophy and thought for a new world order, a novus ordo seclorum, as it was called by the first guy who coined the term, is birthed in Bavaria by Adam Weishaupt. He was a professor of canon law who adopted Masonic thinking for a new structure to the world. 1844, Benjamin Disraeli, Prime Minister of Great Britain, states, So you see, the world is governed by very different personages from what is imagined by those who are not behind the scenes. 1846, Pope Pius IX writes about the changes that he saw in the future. He says that infamous doctrine of so-called communism is absolutely contrary to the natural law itself, and, if once adopted, would utterly destroy the rights of property and possessions of all men, and even society itself. 1848. The alleged need for a change in the basic way things are done is consistent with the teachings of the father of communism, Karl Marx. When he co-authors the Communist Manifesto with Friedrich Engels, Marx writes that the communists must openly declare that their ends can be attained only by the forcible overthrow of all existing social conditions. That's what you're seeing coming up right now. 1857, the National Education Association is founded as a professional association. The U.S. Congress charters it in 1906, and the IRS declares it's a union in 1978, largely financed by the Rockefeller and Carnegie Foundations, The National Education Association today is the nation's chief education lobby. It ranks among the ten largest political action committees according to the most recently filed Federal Election Commission reports. With some 2.2 million members, the NEA creates regulations and certifies teachers to carry out its admittedly radical agenda. And you have to look into its agenda. It's up there if you want to search it out on the Internet what Lenin said to change society we've got to get the children and raise a generation of children basically in the humanist communist agenda 1904 John Dewey begins his subsequent life's career of teaching at the Teachers College at Columbia University becoming head of his education department where he would come to mould 20th century educational thought funded by Rockefeller and Carnegie against Rollins Institute of International Affairs and Rockefeller CFR. The Teachers College propels Deweyism into the public schools through many radical disciples of Dewey's progressive education system. A Fabian socialist, Marxist and Darwinist, Dewey's agenda is to infuse socialism into the nation's public schools so determines the Rees Commission Committee on Education in the 1950s. They had a commission on it and that's what they came up with. Columbia's Teachers College Served as the model program for teacher training programs across the United States, giving advanced degrees to many as one fourth of all present high school superintendents and half of teachers' college heads. 1912 Colonel Edward M. House, the, fu- the future close advisor of President Woodrow Wilson, publishes Philip Drew, Administrator. It was a novel in which he promotes socialism as dreamed of by Karl Marx. Now, House was the advisor to President Wilson. He also drafted up uh, and he helped draft up the whole Federal Reserve system. He is also the British the liaison to Britain through Lord Grey to the Milner Group from the Royal Institute of International Affairs. 1913, the Federal Reserve is created, planned a meeting in 1910 on Jekyll Island, Georgia, by a group of bankers and politicians, including Colonel House. It transfers them power to create money from the American government to a private group of bankers. is probably the, the largest generator of debt in the world. It's not a federal uh, unit and there are no reserves. But not, not only that, uh, when you look at what the idea was, uh, even Rockefeller said this, it's the Bilderberger, Bilderberger meeting in 1991. It says, we're grateful to the Washington Post, the New York Times, Time Magazine, and other great publications whose directors have attended our meetings and respected the promise of discretion, meaning not printing it in the papers, for almost 40 years. And it would have been impossible for us to develop our plan for the world. Our plan for the world, right? means there's a we involved, our plan. If we had been subject to the bright lights of publicity during those years, but the world is now more sophisticated and prepared to march towards a global or a world government. The supernatural na- national sovereignty of an intellectual elite and world bankers, right? The sovereignty of an intellectual elite and world bankers is surely preferable to the national autodetermination practiced in past centuries. Now, those of you who have been listening to my talks heard me quote from Professor Carl Quigley he talks about a cabal, too, of bankers and intellectuals that will be the head of this great pyramid. He actually said, too, the, the Bank of International Settlements will be at the very top of it, and the new system will be run in a feudal-type system for the society. Back in a moment after these messages. This is Cutting Through the Matrix Reading, articles from Hope of the Wicked, The Master Plan to Rule the World by Ted Flynn, excellent book. I'm sure he could put a lot more in here, but he's, he's, he's given enough as it is, he can't overwhelm too much, He'd Be there's just too much to, to write about, to be honest with you, in the whole history of this agenda. On page 5, it says 1919 prominent British and American personalities established the Royal Institute of International Affairs in England and the Institute of International Affairs in the U.S. In, in Britain they called it the Royal Institute, in the U.S. they called it the Institute of International Affairs. It was attended by various Fabian socialists, including noted economist John Maynard Kings. Two years later, Colonel House reorganizes the Institute of International Affairs into the Council on Foreign Relations as the same organization and interesting too John Maynard Keynes helped set it up and we've been running on his economic system for the last good part of the last century and that was part one he mentioned part two would come in where government and banks would would in a sense form together merge together into one and government would then rule every individual on the planet through their pocket basically or their pocketbook that's Coming up right now, in fact, that is what all this is about, this planned collapse. 1922, the CFR Council of Foreign Relations endorses world government in its journal Foreign Affairs, 1922. Author Philip Kerr states, Obviously there's going to be no peace or prosperity for mankind as long as the earth remains divided into 50 or 60 independent states, meaning nations, and until some kind of an international system is created. The real problem today is that, of the world government. 1928, The Open Conspiracy, Blueprints for a World Revolution, by H.G. Wells, member of the Fabian Society and their Ossipa International Affairs, and a propagandist for them. Says here, Wells writes, The political world of the open conspiracy must weaken, efface, incorporate, and supersede existing governments. The open conspiracy is the natural inheritor of socialist and communist enthusiasms. It may be in control of Moscow before it is in control of New York. The character of the open conspiracy will now be plainly displayed. It will be a world religion, and he's not kidding, it will be, and you bitterly to parrot it. If you want your gruel the next day dished out to you in ration form. 1931 students at the Lenin School of Political Warfare in Moscow were taught, one day which will start to spread the most theatrical peace movement the world has ever seen. The capitalist countries, stupid and decadent, will fall into the trap offered by the possibility of making new friends. Our day will come in 30 years or so. The bourgeoisie middle class must be lulled into a false sense of security. You should also read uh, Mr. Gorbachev's leaving speech at the Politburo because he talked about the same thing. 1932, new books are, publishing, are published urging new order or world order. One was Towards Soviet America by William D. Foster, head of the Communist Party, USA. Foster indicates that a national department of education will be one of the means used to develop a new socialist society in the U.S. Another book is called The New World Order by F.S. Marvin, 1932. Describes the League of Nations as the first attempt at a new world order. It says nationality must rank before the claims of mankind as a whole. And there's so much more to go through, and I will be going through it this week. So stay tuned to see how old this new New World Order really is. From Hamish himself in Ontario, Canada, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you.